When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What is good, everybody? Welcome to Under Review with Stats and Vish on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is Vish Kumarin. Vish, I've missed you. We haven't been together in a little while. I know. It's been a while. I've been traveling. I've traveled almost every weekend uh, over the last five weeks. It's been a lot. Um, This past weekend, I was in Dallas. I actually got this for $12 um, at some used store in Dallas. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we then had that. And then we had me having to now go into work every single day because they ruined my hybrid schedule where I can work from home a few days. And so it's definitely affected our show and us being able to do the show. I mean, just before we got on, I was like, man, Rob, it's been a while. I haven't talked to you. Yeah, so this is going to be the new time for the show going forward uh, because Vish can't just randomly stop working in the office in the middle of the day. But don't worry, we'll still be here every Monday breaking it down. Like and subscribe to the Gold Standard YouTube channel if you are new here. Click that little bell and then you'll get notified every time we go live. And like and subscribe to Vish's YouTube channel where the show is also streaming. Just search Vish Kumaran and YouTube. It comes right up. And I promise you, you will be a better, smarter fan. If you are new to the show, this is where we take a second look at the 49ers game on Sunday. And we're going to go pretty much drive by drive. Maybe not every single drive, but we're going to run through the entire game and break down what happened. And Vish, I thought right out of the gate, you could tell this was not going to be the same old 49ers defense that we'd seen the past three weeks. Because the first play of the game, they come out with five defensive linemen on the line of scrimmage. And you're like, hey... Looks like somebody made some adjustments over the bye week. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't, 
the Jaguars came out in such heavier personnel sets on early downs throughout. Ooh, look at you, Rob. I didn't know late night Rob has a different twist. Uh, yeah, he does. To, um, Rob, stats after dark has more uh, alcohol. Whoa, look at that. I'll, I'll stick to Vish after dark uh, is drinking some water, getting ready to go to the gym. How about that, Rob? You go to the gym? See, I didn't know that. Well, yeah, some of us can't just, you know, uh, stay looking good. We got to work for our uh, physique over here. Hey, what can I tell you? All right. You think this body is an accident? I don't. Okay. Okay. Let's get back to that first drive though. Okay. Before we gas your head up a little bit too much, let's get back to that first drive and then coming out with the five defensive linemen. I thought it was really just a specific matchup for the Jaguars just because they had been coming out in heavier personnel said, if you notice, there was a lot of Warren Burks on the field, three linebackers on early downs because the Jaguars often had only two receivers on the field. They were often in 12 personnel, two tight ends, one back and two receivers. Those were their five eligible. So I thought the five defensive linemen was just a, Hey, we think this is what they're going to run on first down. This is what they tend to start games with from this heavier personnel set. Let's match that. Now, I heard some contradicting opinions to that this morning. Like, for example, Chris Sims on PFD Live thought that this was a very significant statement from the 49ers. It was not a statement about, hey, this is scheme. It was a statement about their energy about this game. What you described, the fact that they were going to come out in five defensive linemen and show the strength of their football team and ride the strength of their football team. And maybe that was an aspect of it as well. Um, and so certainly while I didn't think it was the biggest statement, it definitely had an impact. If you looked at the overall psyche, cause that first play, that second play, I mean, Rob, it was clear. There was a different energy to the 49ers, very different from the team. We had seen the last three games we had seen them play completely, completely agree with you. I mean, first play Fred Warner forces an incompletion to Trevor Lawrence. Second play Lawrence checks it down and Bam! Fred Warner is there immediately, makes the tackle all by himself, no yak, which I thought the tackling was much improved for most of the day, which, you know, I think clearly was a focus for the 49ers and also just coming off the bye helped them recover physically to be able to do that. But I loved it right out of the gate, exactly the defensive performance you want coming out of the gate. And then the 49ers get the ball at their 43-yard line, and four plays later, they're in the Don't skip the third down, though, to me. The third down there is pretty important, too. So you're right. Warner made the two plays on first and second down, and I thought we saw a much more energized, a much more physical, a much more deliberate Fred Warner than we had seen the last couple weeks. I think that's important when we're talking about this game because for all the defensive changes, for all this change, for all this change, the two players I'm going to talk about on this first drive, one of them being Fred Warner and then the other one being Javon Hargrave, who I'll talk about on for the third down play. Those two guys had not played well over the last three weeks for the 49ers defense. We can blame Steve Wilkes and everybody did it and he deserved the biggest blame in my opinion. But those guys... Javon Hargrave, who got, you know, $42 million guaranteed in free agency day one. He was the Niners coveted free agent signing. And then Fred Warner, who is, you know, considered to be the best linebacker in football. Both of those guys had not played up to that number either and played up to that standard or status. And then that third down, it gets to Hargrave. And to me, Rob, Hargrave was, oh, look at that. Nick Wagner agrees with me too. Hargrave was the best player on the 49ers in this football game. Walker Little who played guard for the Jaguars in this game, was in hell. I We're going to go through all the sacks because we're going to go drive by drive, and all of them are, are going to basically include Javon Hargrave dominating Walker Little. And this is the first one. They make Trevor Lawrence double clutch. I didn't get to see the film yet, so I don't know what he was looking at and why he double clutched on his first read. 
but it's a straight bull rush from Hargrave. He beats Little. He creates the he makes the pocket collapse. And then in turn, I think it was Armstead that gets the sack by tapping him down. Yeah, it was Armstead. Uh, Hargrave, you're right. He was disrupting everything in the middle of that defensive line and quickly, too. It wasn't like, oh, you know, three seconds after the snap, he gets past. Like, no, it was bam. He's beating guys immediately, forcing Trevor Lawrence off the spot, disrupting entire possessions. Like you said, they got the sack on third and five. That led to the punt. It was a sign of things to come for sure. So let's get to the Niners drive. As usual, they start with Christian McCaffrey right up the middle. And they look when they come out, those 15 plays, whatever it is that Shanahan has scripted, they usually have success. I think they lead the league in points scored on the opening drive of the game so far this year. And they go down, boom, 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 four plays. And they're into the end zone that the Jags. Oh, we lost Vish. Oh, boy. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get Vish back. Um, There was a play with Kittle where they just like left him open. I don't know what happened. It was a blown coverage of some kind. Kittle doesn't even run a route. They snapped the ball. My bad. I had a little bit of a technical glitch when I was oh, chasing. I exited out. Okay. I was just saying there was a play on the Niners' first drive where they like totally forgot to cover George Kittle. Like he didn't mm-hmm. even run a route. He just this the ball is snapped and everybody runs away. He, from him. Yeah, he just floats out to kind of the cloud yeah. and yeah. And he catches the ball and he gains 30 yards and set up the Niners on the next play. Brock Purdy <laughs> rolls out, rolling to his left, falling away, throws it back over the middle, late into a sea of hands. And Brandon Ayuk makes the catch. Kyle Shanahan called it the worst decision Brock Purdy's made in his 49 years tenure. I thought it was a terrible decision. I thought he got very lucky, but it still counts for seven on the scoreboard. Yeah, I thought it was a bad decision, too. I tweeted it, and I thought a lot of people are, I was like, oh, shoot, I'm going to get killed for it. So I said, not the greatest decision by Brock Purdy, because um, I didn't want to be getting no. hate from my uh, fellow 49ers fans Don't uh, do when we were all cheering together, okay? But it was a terrible decision, Rob. It's not that just that it was a terrible decision. The throw is terrible. He's rolling out to his left, and he literally throws up a floater. That That was asking to be picked off. And IU pushes off of uh, Tyson yes, Campbell yeah. to catches the to catch this football and bail him out. It's not the greatest decision, but but the one thing I liked, and I think that this decision is somewhat a reflection of Purdy in this football game, is that everything he did was very deliberate and very urgent in this game. He was aggressive. He stood in the pocket every chance he got. He played that- like as tough and as aggressive a game as you could play at quarterback, given the circumstances and what he was surrounded by. And, you know, this throw, this decision, you never want to see him do it again. You're very happy that he got a very fortunate result from it. But the mindset that he played with, the aggressiveness he played with, whatever screw is loose to make him make that dumb decision, you do want a little bit of that from Brock Purdy. You want that aggressiveness from Brock Purdy. It's been, I think something that's been enigmatic of his entire kind of tenure as the 49ers starting quarterback. He's always been a little bit, just a little bit close to that line of, is he too aggressive? Is he going too far? And he's just as aggressive as you want a quarterback to play. He's had a lot of moments of good fortune. He's had some moments of bad fortune, but this one, this one, Rob was just not a good, he should never do that ever again. 
And I'm sorry, like, we got to be able to get to the point where we could say, hey, that wasn't a good decision from Brock. Hey, that wasn't, you know, a really good throw from Brock. Just because the result was good, it's okay to call it like it is. He made a ton of good throws in this game, of great throws. throws. This wasn't one of them. And, you know, Akash is on Twitter over here saying, oh, well, only Brandon Ayu could have made that catch. If, no way. No. Tyson Campbell picks that no. off 10 times out of 10 if Brandon Ayuk doesn't push him. Yes. Like, we can admit that every, not every throw, everything he makes is great, even if the result is great. And that's okay well, to admit. Are we sure the ball was going to Ayuk even as well? well I, that, I, that's Yeah, like, why did George Kittle randomly stop running his route? Because if George keeps going the direction he's going – he takes the defender to the back corner of the end zone, and Ayuk has a lot more space to make that catch. And you still don't want him, even with a lot more space, even without four defenders there, you want him throwing a little... Uh, that was, dude, that was like a water balloon in the air. That thing was floating for days. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, not and, and this is the thing that worries me, is that all week Brock talked about, hey, I got to be smart. I have to know the line between being aggressive and being reckless, and I have to know when to just go down or just run the ball or take the smart play. And the first drive, the first time he gets in the red zone on first down, Vish, he does that. Thank God it worked out. Yeah, 100%, 100%, 100%. But then again, we also have to get, I will give him this credit too, right? Because it's a touchdown, we can also give him the credit for the part of the play that was good. The escapability, keeping the play alive, the yep. second reaction, the creativity, the willingness to try and make something happen in a play that's dead, the ability to use his athleticism and do that, that's something that he has that this offense hasn't had. Now, you can't do it like that. That's why coaches don't want quarterbacks playing off schedule when they do stuff like that. But we'll take the good result, and it's the best way you can teach a lesson to somebody when nothing bad comes from it and you can still teach a lesson. Honestly, I think you don't get one without the other. The same thing that makes Brock keep the play alive and extend it and roll out and do all those good things you talked about is the same thing that makes him throw that pass. So, and I think we might just have to live with the fact that he's going to live dangerously sometimes. That's That instinct is very hard to pull out of a quarterback. It's very hard to get rid of it when it's there. Well, we talked about it, right? You and I talked about it, I think, after the Cincinnati game. When he, after the Jermaine Pratt play, like, hey, this is who Brock Purdy was in college. Yep. Like, when he has an element of you make the game so much on him, he turns into that guy. Now, I have seen that the term Avengers describing the 49ers national skill weapons has become a national term, thanks to Nick Wright. I do remember that I was the first one <laughs> to call the 49ers supporting cast the Avengers on this show last year. Um, so I, I would like to mention that. And Okay. When the Avengers and the reason I bring up the Avengers is because I think when the Avengers play, their overall surrounding talent, their ability to create everything that the offense does and make it all pretty much explosive plays and chunk gains, that in and of itself curtails Brock Purdy's instinct. Because to me, this second nature aggressive instinct that causes Brock Purdy's mistakes, it's not something that he does within the offense. Okay. I see very few instances of Brock Purdy in the offense straight up short-circuiting under pressure, or just straight up not knowing where to go with the football and throwing it up for grabs. I see only these mistakes occur in situations where it feels like Brock Purdy has to do more than what we should expect of Brock Purdy, given what his pay grade is and given who on the 49ers we rely upon. And I think those last couple games when the mistakes were happening for Purdy, 
I mean, you and I talked about it in shows and all of that. If you're putting this much of the game on him, mistakes are going to occur. It's not necessarily fair to him. That's not the style of quarterback he is at this point. And this is a good example of he got fortunate, but if you look at the entirety of this game because the Avengers played and because he can play so much of the game on time and on schedule, I mean, 19-26, 295 yards, three touchdowns is his standard stat line with the Avengers, isn't it? <laughs> Miguel Ramirez says, am I crazy or did Brock really amp up the bad decisions after the Rich Eisen interview? I guess we kind of just touched on that. To me, it was not the interview or anything like that. It was just the 49ers supporting cast wasn't helping him out within the right. offense the same way, which then in turn causes him to do more. And then, yeah. And IU got the touchdown, which as Brisby Life on Twitch points out, props to Vicious composed performance last week. I hope Ayuk's touchdown made a certain person very happy. Hashtag, if you know, you know. Well, I mean, in all I got to say, it's I'm, I'm just happy that it took that for him to get a red zone target. <laughs> Who would have thunk it, Rob? The guy has three red zone, four red zone four. targets and three touchdowns in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, he, and he was their best red zone receiver last year. Um, so the Niners he get was, the He was awesome in this football game too, by the way. When he got the ball and everything, he was terrific in this football game. It's just a tough matchup for him because Tyson Campbell guarded him for a lot of this game. And Tyson Campbell's a very good player. Squeezing the juice out of all his targets was Brandon Ayuk in this one. So Niners go up 7-0. They kick the ball off to Jacksonville. And again, Vish, the Jags go 3-0. and out. And again, there's a sack on third down. And guess who? Javon Hargrave. Yeah. So this one, this one is Hargrave. Hargrave does beat 72 again. But this, to me, was kind of emblematic of Jacksonville's overall issues in this game, which is as prepared as the 49ers were, as prepared as they came out, Jacksonville was the exact opposite, okay? Yep. This third down, they're trying to run a screen to the right. I don't know who they are trying to screen for because both receivers go out and block and the back's lined up on the other side. <laughs> but the entire offensive line goes screen and the back is inside, is left inside pass protecting and Lawrence is dropping back like it's a drop back pass, which means they must have called screen, must have been adjusted at the line of scrimmage and not everybody got the communication. And next thing you know, it's like, down set go get the quarterback because all the linemen go up the field 49ers <laughs> defensive linemen are like kid in a candy store seeing trevor lawrence and down he goes and hargrave is the one that gets the sack but we're going to talk about it with the 49ers defense and all of that um throughout the show because i know we're going to talk about some surprisingly good performances from certain players who have not played as well especially when they're replacing certain players who have not played well either but if you know, looked at this game, Rob, if we looked at the Niners defense, right, what was their issue coming into this game? They had some issues stopping the run specifically on early downs, yep. right? They had issues there. And then the second issue with this 49ers defense is the third corner, whether it's Ambry Thomas, whether it's Isaiah Oliver, they can't cover, okay? They haven't been able to cover when they've been asked to play in this football game. Jacksonville, first three snaps of this game, Zero runs. All three. Drop Trevor Lawrence back. Plays right into 49ers' hands. When was the first time they took a chance on the outside and they said, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, let's run around at Ambry Thomas. The Rams, when Ambry Thomas came first in the game, what did they do? They threw the ball at Ambry Thomas. They yes. went after his confidence. The Steelers, when Ambry Thomas was in the game, what did they do? They threw the ball at Ambry Thomas. They went after his confidence. In this game, and this is where it's good for the 49ers, Ambry Thomas played well. 
he got a lot of his confidence back. But to me, this is where, as well as the 49ers played, I don't know that I can say they're fully back, they're fully there. I think this is a step in the road, and part of this is they jumped on Jacksonville's throat without Jacksonville having a clear idea or identity of how to attack them. Not going after Ambry Thomas at any point early in this football game and not running the football early basically allowed this game to run away from them, Rob. And not just being sharp. Like you mentioned that the issues with the screen, like they're coming off a bye too. They had won five in a row. Maybe they were feeling themselves a little bit because they weren't sharp. And it set the stage, Vish, for the perfect game script for the 49ers because they get the ball back on their 38-yard line. Again, great field position. And they have a position to go up by two scores on two possessions, which is the perfect game script. That's exactly how the 49ers are built to just tilt the entire rest of the game. And the Niners go 10 plays, 41 yards, right down the right down the field, and they get a field goal from Jake Moody, uh, which was no guarantee. Yeah, that well, that field goal, if he kicks it from 41 yards, he probably misses. Uh, but lucky. Okay, we'll take the luck. It's not been a good time of luck for the 49ers over the last three weeks. So we'll we'll take it how you can get it. A good kick is a good kick. And but how, I thought that drive was just classic 49ers, Rob. Ayuk was involved. Debo start? was in. Go ahead. No, sorry. I was going to say, yeah. First play of the drive, 21 yards to Brandon Ayuk right out of the gate. Yeah. And then next, they got Debo involved. They had McCaffrey involved. It was just two yards, seven yards, eight yards, 10 yards, 12 yards. And it was just classic 49ers the way they marched up the field. Um, I think Brock Purdy had a really good throw far hash on third and eight to Juwan Jennings on that yes. drive on an out route. It was a really, really good throw. He's three-step drop, stands in the pocket. Colton McKivitz gets beat, hand coming in your face. He strains tall, he stands strong, and he throws the ball far hash on a rope strike. Great throw um, to Juwan Jennings for a first down, and they had a really good drive. And then, of course, yeah, Moody, Moody for sure is uh, a little bit, a little bit got me. Let's just say, Rob, a few years off my life have been taken by Jake Moody over the last football season so far. Would it over surprise, this last football season. Would it surprise you to know that Jake Moody is 14 of 15 since missing the game winner against Cleveland? Oh, no, no. Not surprising at all. I know he's been excellent in terms of makes versus misses. But I also know what how long it's taken for some of those kicks to go through the upright <laughs> seemingly in my head. I also know what the heartbeat is like when I see this 39-yard field goal just veering and veering and veering and barely taking over the upright. So hey, when I see all of those things, yeah. They all count the same. All it's got to do is go through the uprights. It doesn't matter where, right? And it's got to be good for the confidence for Jake Moody. He's only missed one kick since he missed against Cleveland. I know the Cleveland kick was a big one, but at least they're going through. Uh, so the Niners get the field goal. They're up 10 nothing, and we are off to the races. And this is the next drive from Jacksonville. They start to get a little momentum. They actually pick up a first down on a third and four play where Fred Warner is so close to breaking up the pass. I think he has his hand on the ball at mm -hmm. one point, but it was completed. Uh, Jacksonville had a little momentum, but after they got that first down, they basically did nothing. They ran for three. Then they just had a couple incompletions and punted again. Niners defense. That was so encouraging to see them force the Jacks to go punt, punt, punt first three possessions of the game. 100%, 100%. And really for the Niners, that's like you said, I, I think game script was the term you used. I, that That's exactly what it is. Um, That's the game script that works. 
early their defense forces short possessions and their offense has long possessions. And basically they run the game away from you before it even starts. That's what they did to Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, that's what they did to Dallas. That's what they do. That's their game script. Um, and unfortunately the last three games didn't follow that script. Um, it's nice to see them go back to the script that works for them, but not every game is going to fall into place the way this one quite did. Um, because, as well as they played and as energetic as they was. And I think their offense, I think their offense, this is the production you can pretty much expect from them on a game in game out basis. When the Avengers, I'm stealing it back. It's my nickname, (laughs) the Avengers play. Uh, But the defense for sure, I think they were bailed out a little bit from a few uh, mistakes. James Jacksonville, James T Kirk, YouTube channel member, shout out to you, James and all the YouTube channel members. I appreciate you. If you want to become a YouTube channel member, it's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis, you get membership badges, you get priority comment response. So thank you to all our members. Hopefully we get some more. James T. Kirk says, Moody's 82.4%, but I don't trust him. Why? And then Jason says, shaky jakey, which is, yeah, that's kind of accurate right now for Jake Moody. Um, Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, so let's continue going through the drives here. The next Niner drive was a punt. And the reason why, Vish, I felt like it was the reason why not. If the Niners had an unsuccessful drive in this game, it was because of penalties. When mm-hmm. they got a penalty on a drive, they they did not overcome it. This one starts off with a beautiful completion to Ayuk, but he completely shoved the defensive back at the top of the route. They called him for OPI. That pushed him back 10 yards, and that was basically the end of the drive. Yeah, and by the way, I think if there's a player that it's good to have an offensive pass interference from time to time, it's Brandon Ayuk. Because that, to me, was – I talked about it, I think, after the Cleveland game, where I thought at sometimes at the top of his routes – in a game where illegal contact wasn't called as much, you would see the Denzel Wards and the Greg Newsoms. That's where they would throw off the timing of his route. They would bump him. They would get physical with him. And so this was a great example of, I think it was Tyson Campbell that was trying to do it um, to Brandon Ayuk playing off coverage. And Brandon Ayuk said, no, I own this space. Now he committed offensive pass interference, but you like the physical urgency that he at least showed running his routes. But of course, you're right. When the 49ers have issues with their offense, when their offense stalls typically in drives, they even don't score a touchdown. Like what leads them to kick a field goal on drives? It's typically a negative play on first down. And oftentimes that's a penalty, whether it's a holding, it's in this case, a pass interference, that kind of thing. Chillmatic, YouTube, new YouTube channel member. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. A quick aside from Chris Maldonado. Says, random question, which team in the NFC West do you hate the most? I know that's off topic, but I got to know. Mine is Seattle, then the Rams, then the Cardinals. 
I don't hate the Rams because we always beat them. So it's still Seattle for me because as long as Pete Carroll is there and I have to see his stupid face whenever they make a good play in a game, it's going to be Seattle for me. Yeah, I mean, is this even a question? My childhood has been born. Really? I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people go back to the Harbaugh, Pete Carroll, all that stuff, that era. Mm-hmm. But for me, man, Rob, this started, I think it was it 2009. The Niners were hyped up to be very, very good. That was the year we thought they would win the division. Um, and they had week one in Seattle and they got whooped 28 to three by Matt Hasselback. And I think <laughs> Deion Branch caught two touchdowns like that. That was like the first time I had like, a, oh, my God, in my life, I think my 49ers are going to be good. And then they get blown out by Seattle, who I thought was going to be bad. Now, I didn't, nine-year-old me didn't understand uh, how much gravity Seattle's home field advantage had um, in terms of changing things in the game. But, yeah, dude, it's it's always Seattle. It's yeah. always Seattle. Yes. And then Michael Crabtree is my favorite player, too. That was the other thing. Seattle uh, actually beat the Niners in week – or, no, actually, the Niners won that game. I apologize. So maybe it wasn't 9 They played Seattle in week two, and they beat them – uh, 23 to oh, 10. That, that would have been 2010 then. So, but anyway, because I think they lost seven and nine and oh nine. Yeah, it was 2010. Yes, it was. They lost yeah. uh, 31 to six. In 31 to six. There you there go. Were all, but to be fair, there were a lot of times where I felt like the Niners were good and then they played Seattle and they lost, especially in Seattle. They got their asses kicked a lot of the times. So, uh, yeah, yeah, because 10 was the year that uh, Bradford. And the Rams, it came down to them versus Seattle for the division week 17 for which seven and nine team will go to the playoffs. <laughs> and the division was so bad and the 49ers were so talented as we saw with the turnaround without changing many players in 2011. Everybody thought the Niners would win the division that year that I think they started like 0-4 or 0-5. And, you know, Alex Smith got booed on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. Those are the days, huh? (laughs) Uh, So the Niners punt on that possession. And then uh, Seattle, see what you did to me? Then Jacksonville gets the ball. They get a nice run from Travis Etienne. And all of a sudden, they get down to the Niners' 46-yard line. It's second and 15. And the Niners elect to go with a three-man rush. But fortunately for San Francisco, two of the three guys rushing were Nick Bosa and Chase Young. And just like Chase said when he was introduced, it was a race to the quarterback. They both get there at the same time. Bosa makes the strip and the recovery, Vish. I thought this was Nick Bosa's defensive player of the year game. This was the disruptive, game-changing Nick Bosa that we expected to see a lot sooner. Yeah, he he played great. Now, I I don't agree with you. Not that I don't think he was excellent in this game. I just think he had excellent statistics in this game. I I personally have not been as upset about Nick Bosa's play over this entire football season. We've talked about it. I feel like maybe he could have been a little bit better, but I certainly think he's played well. He's just not been supported adequately. And so to me, this game was more about, hey, Javon Hargrave finally played how Javon Hargrave should. Armstead has quietly had a very strong season overall. He played well again today. Chase Young made a big difference. Chase Young's a star. Yep. Chase Young's a star. I, I still don't know what's going on with his knee, why nobody wanted him, but he's a star. And then Randy Gregory was good in this game, too. I can't believe you're was pooing Nick Bosa. One and a I'm half not poo-pooing back. Nick Bosa. I'm just Bosa poo-pooing this both. idea. Oh, Nick Bosa's finally back. No, he's always been there. They finally played good around him. This is a different level, though. He had a pass defended in this game. 
obviously the one and a half sacks, the forced fumble and the recovery. Like he had not played to this level. I don't care that he had a bunch of pressures earlier in the year. He couldn't get the stats, but that's my point. He couldn't get the stats because they weren't playing as well around him. Now he's got the stats. It's not like they had a, a great team around him last year in terms, especially in terms of sacking the quarterback. Like no. No, but if 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 he was the one creating pressure, the Ebucoms and the uh, um, Charles Amenahues would at least be somewhere near the quarterback to allow a sack to happen on the play. The problem was the Javon Hargraves and the Drake Jacksons were creating no pass rush the last three weeks. Vish, he had 18 and a half sacks last year without those guys. So clearly, he had, but, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Samsung Ebucoms, the Charles Amenahues, they were better than... Uh, what Drake Jackson was giving them. They were at least somewhat supportive. I, I don't think that he's played that much worse or better, Rob. I think he just got better stats yesterday because they played better around him. I think, I think he, he's I, always maintained this high level. He's one of the best players in the league. I'm not saying he was bad before this year, but he wasn't at this level. He wasn't nearly as disruptive in this game. He had a pass breakup. He almost had two pass breakups. He had a he tackle. He caused the loss. interception. He caused the interception. Exactly. Like to me, it was a different level it was, this was like a TJ Watt, Miles Garrett level of disruption that, to me, I had not seen from Nick Bosa this year. Yeah. Did you see TJ Watt's disruption against Zach Tom last this weekend? No. Yeah, it did not exist. I just had to say that. I was, okay. but yeah, like, I got you. I got your point. I got your point. I got your point. I just had to poo-poo it a little bit. Well, and this was a, a point of frustration for me in this game up until the end of the game because the Niners get the ball. I'm like, okay, Niners get the ball back um, and they're at the 49-yard line. And I'm like, all right, you're up 10 nothing. This is your possession. You score a touchdown here, you've got complete control of the game. Like, they're not losing if you score a touchdown here. Like, you can wrap this thing up. And not only do the 49ers not score a touchdown, not only do they not get a first down, they actually go backwards six yards and end up punting. And it was extremely frustrating to me because in the games that they didn't win, they didn't take advantage of opportunities. And this was their first real opportunity in this game. And they didn't take advantage of it at all. Yeah. I, I just realized I, I missed a play talking about it um, in a previous drive as well. So maybe we can go back there after this, but I I'm a hundred percent with you. And I think this is a theme in this football game for as well as the Niners played and as dominant as they were, they didn't capitalize actually on pretty much any of the turnovers they got. A lot of the turnovers they got were, were pretty much just dead drives um, from the offense. They didn't respond. Now, often they were so far ahead and the Jags offense was so incapable of doing anything because the Niners <laughs> defense was so suffocating that it didn't do anything. But I think this is a really good point if we're talking about, hey, the Niners have just made this very, very good turn in their season. They're moving right back in the direction that we expected them to move. They are finally as healthy as we expected them to be or in turn or in on the verge of getting as healthy as they can be. And they're about to make this Super Bowl run. These are the details that are going to make a difference in games where they can't have this specific game, game script happen. And this specific game script is the only way we've seen them win this year. And so I think this is a great point by you to bring it up because we've seen it throughout the entirety uh, or we didn't see it. We saw it yesterday, at least, as somewhat thematically that, hey, the 49ers forced turnovers and the offense really did nothing to capitalize and keep the momentum. And the momentum always stayed kind of in the Niners direction because they were so far ahead. 
they didn't capitalize on the first two turnovers that they forced in the game. And why didn't they capitalize? Because on third and six, when Brock scrambles out and makes a nice completion of Debo Samuel, what happened? Holding Trent Williams. Right. Fold up shop, put up the or fold up the tent, bring out Wishnowski, and they have to punt. That so, was a great play, by the way, from Purdy. And again, a nice catch from on Debo. the off schedule. Yeah, it was a great yep. play. Great play, but got flagged for a hold. I mean, Trent said after the game he was only 75 to 80%, so clearly he wasn't himself. He still had a good game. Um, but you could see it though when he would get out on runs, that extra explosiveness that he would usually have to get in on a defensive back and crack him instead now he would just kind of run into a Maz McCaffrey's on that second level. So, you could see it a little bit. Chris Maldonado says, I'm going to the Cards game. My pops got tickets to the game this year, so I'll be at that one. F Seattle, thank you for the response. Much love and respect. F Seattle, I could get behind. Enjoy the Cardinals game. That looks like a, a different experience. I hate Arizona too, dude. They don't, they're irrelevant to me. Like, they don't matter enough for, I, you can't be that bad for that long and have me hate you. Like, it, but, okay, maybe, maybe it's my childhood there, but like, I, I, they always used to play Arizona so well the Niners did when I was younger, like when Singletary came, right? They had the first game with Singletary after he kicked Vernon Davis off coming off their bye versus Arizona. And they lost a heartbreaker to this day. I still don't think Frank Gore was down at the one, but you know, (laughs) we can continue to argue about that, but it's just so many heartbreaking losses to Arizona. And then they had that stretch where they were dominating like John Skelton and Richard Bartell. Then Palmer came back and started throwing parties I mean, they lost to Josh Rosen, man. Yeah, that wasn't fun for sure. But I don't know. To me, they're at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to my hatred in the NFC West. Sign me two nine says Trent Williams at 75% is still better than anyone on the field. Certainly better than any other offensive lineman the 49ers have. Uh, that's oh, for damn sure. 100%. Next Real quick, Rob. Oh, sorry. Before go we go to the next drive, I just wanted to touch on one play the first uh, on the first drive, on the second drive, the one that kicks a field goal. Um, they got a touchdown going backwards. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going, I, I forgot to bring this up. They, they had it. We, we kind of slid over it right here at the end of this drive, but the third and four that he gets rolls out and sacks to Foyer side, he gets sacked by Foyer side of Lucan. They have a touchdown to Debo Samuel. The play yeah. is arches. Debo Samuel is wide open, um, for a touchdown. It's the same play. Jimmy Garoppolo misses George Kittle in the Super Bowl on third and five. Um, he's wide open for a touchdown. It's just they brock they brought pressure. I thought the Niners actually had numbers to pick it up, but they didn't get it picked up. I mean, I think it ended up being mismatched numbers on the right side of the offensive line for the Niners. I think it was three on two on that side. Um again, I thought the back gets over, but Christian McCaffrey, this is a bad pass protection play, in my opinion. Josh Allen runs him right over. And yeah, that 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 play should have been a touchdown. Yep. He Debo, gets a little bit of time. That's a touchdown. Yeah. Debo is absolutely wide open. But if you go back and look at that play, it looks like there's two. It looks like Ayuk and Jennings have no idea what they're doing on the play. Jennings. So so I was looking at the diagram I have of the play. And when they run the bunch, the drag route that Kittle runs is usually run from by the Z, which is Jennings on the play. And if you look at Jennings on the play, he sees Kittle go to the drag and then he changes his route. When he comes off the line of scrimmage, of course, Debo is running the arches route, but Jennings timing is a little bit off because he comes off the line of scrimmage and looks around a little bit and then starts going <laughs> once he sees Kittle go. So I don't know. I, I might have been a miscommunication between Kittle and Jennings. I don't necessarily know what happened, but the play looked like arches to me. Um, that's how it's typically run. 
Ayuk um, Debo Samuel's too. wide open on the play for a touchdown. Ayuk like wasn't even running a route. Like he literally was like kind of half jogging. Like he it was. But he's he's the backside receiver away from the bunch. He's the X. Yeah, whatever. I didn't like the he's look. He's isolated. They still could have thrown a touchdown, man. Yeah. But it, it, it's that was that was one where I thought, hey, the protection busted. Like if he gets like an extra half second, if McCaffrey's able to actually cut cleanly because he tries to cut he goes low and he gets run right over if he cuts cleanly it's a touchdown that's where you miss tevin coleman that's all i gotta say <laughs> a lot of players a lot of people excuse me are asking this question james thomas i gotta say the players look like they loved having wilkes on the field i know stats thinks it's a nothing burger but morale and camaraderie can be a real thing in team sports it's not just me james kyle said after the game i think it's quote the most overrated thing in the world end quote which is funny because he's the one that forced the wilkes to go to the sideline in the first place i think it had way more to do with the fact that they had a whole bye week to adjust i don't think having wilkes in the sideline made the slightest bit of difference i think it was all the other adjustments that we have talked about and that we will talk about rather than the physical location of steve wilkes one of my favorite things about the NFL is when when you get the opportunity, and I, I've gotten a little bit more opportunities because of doing this, where you get to learn things that are just things that you wouldn't be able to learn as a fan. You realize how trivial so many things that we think as fans are important and the media places emphasis on and story places emphasis on that means nothing to NFL players. And when Kyle Shanahan talked about this one, again, it sounded like this meant nothing for them. This was just somewhat of a change of something they were going to do. I, I think part of that change is, hey, they made Wilkes the entire talking point the last three weeks, okay? They put him out as basically the issue with their defense. Yep. They, we didn't criticize Fred. Very few people criticized Fred Warner for playing poorly the last three weeks. Javon Hargrave for playing poorly the last three weeks. We just jumped on the field the um, Steve Wilkes bandwagon. So to me, this was almost like a media distraction for them. Like, okay, you want to make Steve Wilkes the story? Let's make this change with Steve Wilkes so you talk about this all week and we can get our team to refocus and rewire in on what we need to do. That's what it felt like a little bit to me. Um, I'm sure there's an effect with the camaraderie and all of that, but I'm sure that they would tell you the camaraderie was great if they were still 5-0 and and Steve Wilkes was still sitting in the booth. No, well, that's all fair. I I think I agree with you on that one. Uh, let's finish out the first half here. This is the Jags' only scoring drive of the game, and it actually starts on the one-yard line. Crazy play on the punt. The punt is about an inch away from getting blocked because Jordan Mason gets bulldozed by a defensive lineman on the punt. It's almost blocked, and instead of being a huge play for Jacksonville, the ball goes all the way down to the one-yard line, and the 49ers down it there. And then the Jags made, to me, their only adjustment of the day. They were like, we can't drop back and throw. We're just going to run a whole drive of screen passes, runs and screen passes, and that's going to get us down the field. And it worked, Vish. I think they had four screens on the day. 25% of the Jags' entire passing yardage on the day came on this drive, and it was almost all screen passes. Yeah, pretty much. They got the ball out of his hands, and they were actually getting effective plays after the catch. I agree with you. Um by the way, shout out to the punt. I'm glad you brought that up. Mitch Wachowski's having a killer season, man. Yeah, he is. Absolutely, he is. He's had two more punts down inside the 20-yard line yesterday. Had the punt that was down at the one-yard line. Niners have only punted 28 times this year, but damn, Wachowski, he's dropping him in there, man. Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. 
Uh, Steve M says those screens were fast that stretched the field sideline to sideline. So Jacksonville goes all the way down the play uh, the field, 14 plays, 80 yards. Ultimately, they get stopped because Mooney Ward breaks up a deep pass to the end zone on third and four, which Ward to me didn't have his best game, but he made a nice play in that situation to break up the pass. Jags have to settle for a field goal, and it was the only three points they'd get all day long. Yeah, that was a really good play by Ward, getting his head around. It was the route that gives Niners receivers issues. They went straight man coverage, and it was a slot fade. Fred Warner mm-hmm. was lined up over the back on the outside. It's kind of a two-man smash concept, and it's pretty decent throw. Ward does a Ward kind of turns his – it's almost like he turns the wrong way because he doesn't <laughs> – he opens his hips to the – he closes his hips to the sideline Usually you see defensive backs when they're tracking the ball this this way with the sideline. They feel the defender with their back, and they turn this way. Mm-hmm. He turns this way and finds the ball. Pretty cool play, and I agree. He had a good game. I think the entire secondary trio played well. I, I mean, again, I, I if I don't take credit for it, Rob, nobody seems to give me credit for it, but I said maybe sometime in February when Jimmy Ward signed with Houston in March, not February, March, that the best nickel on this football team was Diamondor Lenore. And I've been saying that. I've been saying that from day one. And I, I do feel a little bit vindicated because I think he made a massive difference by playing nickel in this game. It certainly seemed to. I'll tell you that. I mean, just getting Isaiah Oliver off the field, first yeah. and foremost, I think yeah. made a huge difference. And then, you know, I don't think the Niners are getting enough credit for this. They get the ball back after the field goal. There's four minutes and 11 seconds left in the half. And the Niners use every second of the clock to drive down the field and get a field goal with Jake Moody. That is an awesome job of clock management. That's an awesome job by the offense because it allowed them to do exactly what they did, which was double up around halftime because they scored the field goal at the end of the half. And then they scored a touchdown in the first drive of the second half that massively stretched their lead out. It was basically over after the first possession of the second half. Yeah, and the result was great, but I, dude, I thought they were going to score a touchdown on that drive. Up till Brock Purdy, that kind of, and this was a kind of short circuit moment for him in this game when he got outside of the pocket again and he takes the intentional grounding that was it a sack? Was it grounding? I mean, Who knows? And it's like almost the third time this year that I feel like he's been in that exact situation. But the way they timed up that drive, I thought they were going to score a touchdown and call it right at half. Like, that was a beautiful drive up till that point. Still getting a field goal and timing it up exactly to end the half. You're right. It's was a fantastic possession. But I, I, I thought that was one of the best 49ers drives I've seen in the Shanahan era in terms of getting the ball with left with four minutes left in the half and chewing the clock down and transitioning into their two-minute and going through that. I thought it was an excellent drive. They were going down the field, and you're right. It really didn't short-circuit until that second and eight play at the 11-yard line where Purdy just, dude, just go down. Just go down. Don't do this, like, kind of weird throwaway where it might be ruled a fumble, and if it's not a fumble, it's intentional grounding. Just go down. But he didn't do it, but luckily the Niners eventually get the field goal. Did you see, like, what actually happened? Because it was really weird at the end of the half. Jake Moody had to kick three field goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he went one. three He went three for three with the one he actually made, again, being a little too close for comfort. So he kicks the first one. Doug Peterson calls the timeout. Like, okay, no big deal. We've seen that before. But then he kicks another one, and it's blown dead, and they never explain why. And after the game, Kyle Shanahan literally said the television network tried to ice our kicker. 
Like they never explained why on the broadcast it was blown dead. Doug Peterson didn't call a second straight timeout because that would be a penalty and he's not dumb. He knows the rules. So they just blew it dead. And then the third one that Moody actually makes, it comes as close to missing as you could come without actually. Mm -hmm. Like I think he Mm -hmm. shaved the upright as the ball went by. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that was another one ball in the air. Come on, Rob. Art was probably racing. Yep. Pounding. Still counts just as much as one right down the middle of the uprights. And that's all I care about. So the Niners go into the half 13 to three and you're like, okay, you know, we wish we could have scored a little more, but you're still up 10 points. You're up two scores. You're getting the ball first. And then what happens in the second half fish? Purdy completes the ball to Debo for nine yards. And then he makes, I think the best throw of his career so far. Hands down to George. It's second and one. He pump fakes to Ayuk on the hitch over the middle of the field and the pocket gets shoved in his face and he can't even fully follow through on the throw. And he he drops a dime 35 yards down the field outside the numbers in pretty much the perfect spot for George Kittle who catches it. Defender falls down. Easy touchdown. Game over. Yeah, pretty much. Summed it up. Game over. I think it's the best throw of his career. I think it's the best throw I've seen a 49ers quarterback make under Shanahan. Like, it was wow. really an awesome throw. Um, And they got man coverage across the board. They get pressure. And if you look at it, he wants to go somewhere else with the ball. He pulls out and he resets. And the entire pocket's collapsing. And he knows he has to get it out to Kittle. And he knows Kittle can get it because it's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. But he knows that it's going to be very hard to get it to him. And if you see the way he stands, he gets his base real big and he just hucks it out there and he gets walloped as he throws it. It's a phenomenal um, description of his toughness, his ability to make decisions under pressure, his ability to understand what's open and all of that. And then, of course, the throw itself is about as perfect as it can get, even if he was throwing with nobody hitting him and nobody yes. around him. Perfect. It was, un- it was an unbelievable throw. I said the exact thing on the instant reaction show, Vish. Literally, if if he had nobody around him, it would have been a great throw. Andre says the best throw, perfect throw. We need more of those. Uh, Jay Cruz talks about the throw. He had the incompletion to Ayuk against Seattle where he ran around a bunch of, you know, for a long time. That throw to Ayuk was not that impressive of a throw to me. The play before it was impressive, but the throw itself was just like a regular throw. This throw to me was impressive because when we talked about wanting a quarterback with, with, super impressive physical gifts. We were talking about this type of throw, right? Collapsing pocket. You can't, you don't have your regular motion. You can't step into it the right way. You can't finish your follow through yet. You still need to be able to put the ball in the right spot. And Brock did exactly that on that throw. That's why it was so impressive to me. hundred percent agree with the way you said that. Uh, So the Niners go up 20 to three and then it just snowballs. It right. really started because now Jacksonville's like they got to get points on every possession they feel like, and they get the ball and they're kind of going down the field, making a little progress. And then what happens? Nick Bosa makes one of those game changing plays. I talked about where he's wrapping uh, Trevor Lawrence up on third and one Jacksonville elects to pass, which what the hell are you doing? But okay. Bosa gets pressure. He's bringing Trevor Lawrence down. He tries to throw it and make a play. Ball gets tipped up and falls into the hands of Talanoa Hufanga. Because of course it does. Because when a ball is tipped, Talanoa Hufanga is there. It's like when he criminals... played closer to the line of scrimmage, though, in this game. Didn't it feel like that? Uh, actually, I didn't notice one way or the other. All I know is when a ball gets tipped, 
like he's the there. bat signal goes up in the sky and it summons <laughs> Talanoa Hufanga because he's always around the damn thing. No, you're right about that. And I'll have to actually go chart the snap distribution to let you know. But to my eye, when I was watching the game on my phone, it felt like he played closer to the line of scrimmage than I'm usually used to seeing. But here's the other example, right? Quick turnover, Niners follow it up right away with another three and out. Three and out, right, and a sack on third down. Uh, they got nothing out of it. So I was sitting there like, Duh. you know, that was very frustrating. And Kyle mentioned that it was frustrating after the game as well. Uh, but then the Jags get the ball back, and again, they start matriculating the ball down the field a little bit. They got, a, to me, a bogus roughing the passer penalty against Nick Bosa on third and Unbelievably bogus, dude. Um, but you know, the league, you could tell the league was going to call some cause they sent out that roughing the passer video last week. So you knew that they were going to have the radar up for that. Then the Jags are going down the field again and then second and goal from the Niners nine yard line. And to me, Ambry Thomas makes the play of the year for the 49ers. Now I know it got called back due to penalty, but Ambry Thomas makes the stop and you know, holds the ball carrier up, strips the ball carrier, recovers the fumble then gets up and runs it 91 yards back for a touchdown. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair, he falls on this ball, and the Jaguars quit, basically, at this yep. point. This was their quitting point, and nobody touches him, and Hufanga's like, get up, get up, and go. <laughs> and then it's a nice return. But this was an amazing play by Ambry Thomas. This is an amazing play to not quit, to basically just take the ball from him and then recover it himself in bounds. Um, it, it was like the Super Bowl turning point play by Terrell Brown all those years ago when he strips Ray Rice and then recovers it near the sideline yeah. himself. It was very similar to that, but different also with the circumstances. And to me, hopefully it's a play that gives Ambry Thomas confidence. That's the one thing that's been missing from him. And yes, I do think it would have been a different game for the Jacksonville Jaguars if they went after him early in this game, because we've seen examples of his confidence waiver. Um, fortunate for him, they didn't go after him. He played actually a very solid game as it went on, as it went on. And I'm sure this did his confidence worlds and wonders. And if they can get him to play at least at the level he played against Jacksonville, their defense will be better for it because they're better without Isaiah Oliver on the field. That's why as poorly as Ambry Thomas played earlier this year, they tried to start him in four different games. <laughs> Uh, Chris, what else says, I know you guys don't remember, but I brought up the marriage between the secondary and the rush. Vish agreed with me. They did it this week. I mm -hmm. absolutely think absolutely agreed. Did you see the clip Vish online of Fred Warner? I think Fred's mic'd up and Fred says they don't know what they're doing. And somebody on Jacksonville replies, you're right. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not shocked by that. Jacksonville's offense had many moments of that. Am I am I just supposed to see that and not say anything when I see just all of a sudden a little bubble appear out of your mouth and it says thumbs up for the like? I know somebody. It's, it's a new thing that StreamYard's been doing. Apparently, I had nothing to do with that. I don't know why the the like bubble. Oh, really? I thought yeah. that was a new animation that I missed over the last two weeks. It came back. No, it freaked me out. It happened on the instant reaction show yesterday. I was like, well, I don't know what the hell that is, but I'm going to keep talking like, uh, but I have nothing to do with it. It just pops up. Uh, okay, okay. You're right, Chris. That was something that a lot of people talked about. And James Kirk says a final free beer for the day, a Levi stadium, 24 ounce domestic beer for you guys. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks for the great content. Victory Monday celebrations in full effect. Kirk out. He drops the Kirk out at the end. You got to like that. Um, well, Kirk's also out. Cause Josh Dobbs is stud. Yeah, Josh Dobbs made some crazy. Pastor not, man. 
the best nickname in the NFL right now. The Pastronaut is so good as a nickname. I agree. And I, I remember also after the Arizona game, um, we were talking about it. I was like, I think Josh Dobbs is pretty good this year. Well, I was wrong, dude. Josh Dobbs is way better than pretty good this year. He's just a good quarterback right now. He he made some very impressive plays uh, for the Vikings. So, yeah, he's kind of saving their season a little bit. Um, let's get back to this drive because we right. got a couple more that mattered in the game. Uh, the Niners get the fumble back, which gets pushed back all the way to their own 19-yard line, which really stunk. And I think Brock makes his second most. By the way, by the way, I didn't understand the explanation on that either. So Um, the Niners got flagged because in the irony of ironies, they had people on the field during the interception that shouldn't have been. Two of the people on the field were Kyle Shanahan and Steve Wilkes. (laughs) We we, we wanted him on the field. So, yeah, that's what the penalty was for, because Shanahan said they thought the play was over. Because Ambry Thomas like is down on the ground and doesn't really move for a second. Yeah, yeah, so everybody yeah. Everybody thought the play was over, so they walked out onto the field during the return, and then they, you know, that's where they got the flag. That's why the play was called back. He deserved a touchdown, didn't he? he on did. that. Yep, that was absolutely brutal for him. But Niners get the ball back on the 19-yard line, and they do nothing on first and second down, and it's third and nine. And I'm like, here we go. The Niners are going to go three and out on the third turnover of the game. And instead, Brock Purdy, to me, makes his second most impressive throw of the game. It's third and nine. He drops back, and he hits Ayuk for 21 yards outside the numbers, right by the sideline. Just an absolute perfectly placed throw from Brock Purdy on third down when he actually had good pass protection for a change. And it was massive because it ultimately allowed the Niners to go down and get another touchdown. Agreed. Big time throw. Big time throw. Loved it. Uh, Chris Waddell says you need just a general NFL chat show because the Dobbs being traded four out of five times and producing within a week of practice from the quarterback needy teams blows my mind. You're not wrong. The guy's been with the Vikings for 10 minutes and he's already got a couple wins for them. So you're not wrong. AOC is a good coach, isn't he? I, I didn't think he was that good of a coach, but it seems like he is that way because of how they started this season without Justin Jefferson with him getting hurt. I thought they were done and then Kirk gets hurt and look at them. Brisby Life says Shanahan owes Ambry Thomas a steak dinner for messing up that TD. You're kind of right. Ambry Thomas yes. owes Shanahan five steak dinners for not cutting him till now. And also keeping faith in him. A thousand percent true on that one. So Brock Purdy <laughs> makes the completion and then they go to the Debo Samuel 23 yard end around for the touchdown, which I loved Vish to me, the old school. I say old school 2019 Debo Samuel end arounds. Keep sprinkling those in those work. The Debo out of the backfield plays, they don't work anymore. Like teams have adjusted. It just it's not working. If you're going to run Debo, run him the way they did there. And he gets the end around and there's one player and it's Charlie Warner and Trent Williams are out to block. And the corner basically just runs away because he's yeah, like, yeah, he doesn't want that. Who no. wants that? You see Trent Williams running at you. Come on, Rob. This is why I tell you I need to go to the gym because what happens if one time at life I see Trent Williams running at me? Fish, you could you could spend every minute from now until the end of time in the gym, and I'm still taking Trent Williams in that matchup. Well, I, obviously, I'm going down. The question <laughs> is, do I run away and then go down when he catches up with me and pushes me down, or do I stand there and take it like a man? So Niners get the touchdown to go up 27 to three. Jacksonville's still trying to mount some sort of comeback on the following drive. Okay, can we touch on one more thing with that though? Oh, I'm yeah. glad you brought up the Debo end arounds. It, it's something I wanted to clarify because I, I haven't streamed for the last couple of weeks. I've been out of town with work and stuff. 
Um, the thing with Debo that the 49ers missed is not, okay, Debo does these particular things. They missed his energy. They missed how he competes, how he uplifts the rest of their football team. It's infectious. I've talked about this since I've ever done anything talking about the 49ers on the platform, on any sort of platform. He's the guy that gets everybody else going. He's not the rah-rah guy. He's not the leader from that standpoint, but he's the guy who, when he hits people and all of that, everybody else wants to hit people too. He's the guy who, when he gets going, the entire team gets going because he's the confidence. He's the energy. He's the swagger. He's the football team's personality that way. And there's something intangible about him that regardless of how much his production has been going down pretty much since his historic season in 2021, that they are unable to replace right now because nobody else is able to uplift and bring the energy to the football team the way he is. They believe in him. They believe in him as just being that special superior athlete and that badass. Um, and so they, they, we saw that from snap one. The defense, I think, did set a tone in this game. But for the offense, too, there was a different energy, and I think that that starts with him playing. It's not that schematically they were missing so much with him gone. They were missing things. They were also missing the best left tackle, arguably, in NFL history, maybe. Um, but they they do miss that swagger. They miss that compete. They miss him walking out with Super Gremlin and all of that kinds of stuff. Somebody did tell the broadcast team that Debo and Trent are the ones that bring that kind of swag confidence that type of thing for the team chris waddell says debo with a head of steam is scary i oh, bet yeah oh I, absolutely i will say oh, this yeah. though Vish. Do, did you there... listen to the broadcast with sound though you listen to daryl johnston come on i hate daryl johnston for, he still doesn't know how to pronounce number 11's name on the 49ers it's no nope. iuke dude it's not iuk or iuk it's iuk it's not that hard but anyway you were gonna you... say sorry feel like there's an element of like that the Niners are sort of built on a house of cards a little bit because it's like oh if Debo is out then no one can get the, then they can't get the juices flowing then they only score 17 points a game and it's like damn man like I get it that you know he has some swag and stuff but like shouldn't we be able to still kind of do it it's amazing how they could look unbeatable when Debo and Trent are there and then when they're not there look totally beatable I think their offensive line is built on a house of cards because I feel like when they get into situations where Trent Williams is out, like they're, they're a lot of the run game and stuff. They can't be as creative and as multiple because they don't trust that group of five to do what they're supposed to do. So I don't know that their offense or their team is built on a house of cards, but their offensive line is to me because without Trent Williams, and I, I mean this with all due respect, they trot out five bad players yeah. as their offensive line. Yeah, they do. And now they're they're doing a rotation. They're going to try to do a rotation when Aaron Banks gets back. Kyle Shanahan talked about it today, that they wanted to get John Feliciano in there at right guard because Spencer Burford stinks. He didn't say it like that. Yeah. I'm saying it yeah. like that. But yeah. there's, there's a reason why you rotate your right He's guard. the worst of the five this year, in my opinion. So uh, Jay Cruz says Debo just goes into games with that take your chain mentality. That nickname is too perfect for yeah. him. You're absolutely right. Uh, Jacksonville still tried to mount a comeback, but again, they go down the field fourth and 15 at the 43 that their own 43 yard line. Your boy, Javon Hargrave breaks through the line. Like immediately again, rushes Trevor Lawrence, who, who just did he beat again too. 
Oh, did he beat Walker again? Or Walker Walked Lee? a little for the fourth time in this game. He kicks his ass one-on-one, rushes <laughs> half the man, kicks his ass, man. Kicks and his ass. Lawrence just chucks it up. Fred Warner joked after the game, like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence throws a nice ball. Hit me right in between the numbers. And yeah, he that's so, so there's a great example. As much as, you know, Purdy, Trevor Lawrence, some of the conversations like that is Trevor Lawrence overrated. Purdy doesn't do that, right? I get it. Fourth and 15, you get instant pressure. You short circuit and you throw it up because you just got to throw it up. It's fourth and 15. It's a turnover regardless. In my opinion, turnover on downs is a turnover. Fourth yeah. down is a turnover. But Purdy, very rarely do you see him in a moment, regardless of the pressure, regardless of what he's asked to do. Oh, crap, I got pressure. Let me just throw it up. Let's just see what happens. Trevor Lawrence short circuited in that moment. He just threw it up. That was it. He gave up on the play. He didn't know what to do. So there's something I'd credit Brock Purdy. He doesn't do that. Now, sometimes he tries to do something else and, Throws a ball back across the middle of the field, but he throws touchdown passes when he does that. Okay, so uh, this is a, an interesting point I wanted to bring up. Actually, Chris Waddell is back. He says the post game locker room. Warner says we learned our lesson from here on out. It's one game at a time. Basically, admits they were smelling their own flowers and looking ahead. I mean, Nick Bosa did admit that they were smelling their own flowers and looking ahead. But yeah, I thought that comment from Fred Warner was telling. And was it? Was it to just the players or was it to Wilkes too? A little bit like, hey, we learned our lesson. You know what to do now on defense. Call the defense like this from here on out. Well, we'll see if they learn it. Right. We'll see. They have a tough schedule coming up. They have now, this was the first step in the right direction. It doesn't mean they turned it around fully. It was the first step in the right direction. They've got to continue following this process. And look, this schedule, like, it's not easy coming up. Tampa Bay is not bad. Tampa Bay won't be an easy game, even though the 49ers should beat Tampa Bay. Seattle, on Thanksgiving, short week, Thursday night, that's going to be a tough game in Seattle. Then you got to go cross-country on my birthday, have to play Philly. Oh, wait, no, no, not my birthday. December 3rd, is that your birthday? December 13th is my birthday. I don't know where I got the one from because then I saw the next date was December 10th. I was wondering, (laughs) like, do they get a second bye? Are we all getting Thanksgiving off this year? What's going on with the NFL? But okay, it's on my birthday. Yeah, then Philly and Philly, obviously, that's the game of the year. Everybody's going to want to watch that game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it, it's probably going to get flexed, but I don't know if Fox will sell that, but they also don't, or maybe it gets moved to America's game of the week and they started at three twenty-five. Um, who knows? Um, but then the Seattle game again at home, that's a tough game. And then you finish off Arizona's that's probably going to win that Baltimore. Oof. That's a tough game, very tough game. And then you finish off with two fairly easy games. So no, 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 ha- no. The Commanders are not, it's not an easy game. Sam Howell leads the league in passing yardage right now. Sam Howell is going to get sacked 15 times in that yeah. game. That, he has but, the worst pocket presence in NFL history. To be fair, he gets sacked 15 times every game. It doesn't seem to matter. <laughs> He's going to get sacked. It, that, that's going to be the game that they all rack up the statistics. Yeah, Nick Bosa is right. going to go from nine sacks to 15. Jason, no, I'm not, not. He's not going to get six sacks in a game, but you know. Uh, so the Niners get the ball after the interception and three plays later, they're in the end zone because Brock Purdy finds Kyle Juszczyk. I thought the one funny thing that Moose Johnson said during the game is when Juice catches the ball, he says, go down at the one yard line so that they could try to get Christian McCaffrey the touchdown, which is funny. Like that's just the ultimate fullback mentality. But I'll say this, Vish, and nobody wanted to hear it. And I don't care. Kyle Shanahan force feeding Christian McCaffrey the ball 
in a 31 point game to try and get that stupid touchdown record is horrible decision-making. It's irresponsible. It's malpractice, frankly, because if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt, you can kiss the Super Bowl chances goodbye. And Kyle, not only did he have him in the game in, at all, but he kept giving him the ball to try and get that goofy record. He could have gotten hurt. It was, And if he gets hurt, by the way, people are going to kill Shanahan, and rightfully so. But yet, he didn't get hurt as far as we know, and so it's totally okay, and everybody's fine with it, and I'm the ass. Well, you are the ass. You're getting a little worked up after your favorite team won, man. Come on. Drink your another blue moon over there. What? Oh, you have no problem with that? No, no. I didn't. Did I say that? No, I just said you were that. You said I'm the ass. So I took the time to call you an ass. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, I walked into that. Yeah, but yeah. I okay, okay, okay. All jokes aside, I, I agree with you. Um, I don't. I think that, look, it's not even that I care that much that they tried to get him a record. I actually like that stuff. Okay. I think that's cool. But I also think it was an opportunity for them to set a greater tone that's thematic to their season. Right. And it goes back to Chris's, I think it was Chris Waddell who brought up the point that Fred Warner said, we learned our lesson one game at a time. We don't, don't smell our roses. This was a good opportunity to pull him out of the game, not get the record and set the tone that we're not in it for just him to get the record and win in week nine. We're in it for the Super Bowl. Everybody understand that even if whatever record you miss out, we're going to compensate it by getting the Super Bowl. I think that that's a message that could have been sent by pulling him out of the game. Um, they obviously chose not to. They elected not to send that message. Now, again, just as we talked about with Moody's kick and Purdy's throw, fortunate results from that kind of decision making. Yep. But but I, I do think, again, it, it did take an opportunity for it was an opportunity for the 49ers to show that they're com more committed to the long-term goal. And in this particular case, they did it. James Thomas says Kyle got caught up with the players on that one. Sounds like the players wanted it for him, but that's when a coach needs to step in. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I think it was Kyle wanting to be well-liked in that locker room, man. Honestly, like there's just no excuse for it. There is no, what if McCaffrey gets concussed or somebody steps on his ankle and he gets a high ankle sprain? Everybody in the stadium knew he was getting the ball. Nobody had to cover anybody else. I thought it was a terrible decision by Kyle Shanahan. And it's hilarious to me, hilarious to me. I that the same people who are screaming that Kyle got Trey Lance hurt and Kyle got Brock Purdy hurt in the first quarter of games are totally okay with Christian McCaffrey in a 31-point game being force-fed the football. That makes no uh, sense to me. Here's the other thing I'll say about it. This will be somewhat controversial, um, but as a fan of the team, it felt to me also like they were rubbing Jacksonville's noses in it, which I, I don't care for. Necessary. Oh, I don't care about that. I, I didn't think there was any reason for him to be in the game at that point and getting a touchdown. Like they beat the living crap out of them in that football game. They beat the out of them for 58 <laughs> minutes. They could have done the Mike, Mike McDaniel and move the F on. Um, um, Kyle did say he talked to Doug Peterson immediately after the game and explained the situation and that Peterson was totally cool with it, that they knew about the record. Oh, dude, dude, line. you mean the guy who wrote a book named Fearless? They're going to, this is going to, this is going to be a spicy thing to look forward to. I, I just, this is where sports media, this was one you could have turned into a beef. You create so many unnecessary beefs 
This is one, you take it, you turn it into a storyline, you put these two teams, the extra 49ers AFC game next year, you put it these two teams and you stick it on Sunday Night Football. That's how you turn a 34-3 to <laughs> game that was supposed to be your game of the week into your, into, your, into your headline story. But you know what the funny thing is? It's almost the opposite of what Shanahan did when Kittle had 205 yards, five yeah. yards in the, in the first half away, five yards away from breaking Shannon Sharp's uh, record at the time, Travis Kelsey broke it for most receiving yards by a tight end in the game. And Kyle was just like, oh, sorry, Kittle. I just thought it was ridiculously irresponsible. And then after the game, he got asked about it. And of course, he did what he always does, which was attack the structure of the question instead of answering the spirit of the question. Because the Eric Branch, who asked the worst questions of anybody ever, said, uh, well, you would have had to talk to some people in here if Christian McCaffrey got injured. And Kyle just said, well, I don't make decisions you know, based on having to talk to you after the game, I do what's best for the team. But this wasn't what's best for the team, Vish. It clearly wasn't. He just wanted him to get the record, whether he wanted it for Christian, whether he wanted it for himself, whether he wanted it for both, whatever the reason, it was a stupid, irresponsible decision by Kyle Shanahan. And I, I mean, I mean, they've wanted him to keep this record and get this record going this entire season. That much has been obvious, okay? I don't want to lead into conversations that were contentious for some people last week. But part of the reason there's a disproportionate amount of touchdowns and disproportionate amount of red zone targets for the other players on the 49ers offense is because Christian McCaffrey gets the ball like 90% of the time in the red zone. He's leading the league by far in red zone carries and he leads the 49ers in red zone targets. Not Brandon Ayuk, not Debo Samuel, not George Kittle. Christian McCaffrey leads them in red zone targets, red zone touches, red zone carries, red zone everything. They've been trying to get him this record since week four. 11 plays in the red zone for the 49ers on Sunday. Seven of them were either runs or passes to Christian McCaffrey, whether they were completed or not. I almost think it maybe it's a good thing that it's over with now. And maybe that, you know, gives them a little more flexibility inside the red zone to do some different things. But I just, I couldn't believe that Kyle did it to me. There's like, you could say you wanted the record and I get all that. I get why Christian McCaffrey wanted it. For oh, sure. Christian McCaffrey, the players, they absolutely yes. should want it. Christian yes. McCaffrey has earned that. He's been yes. awesome for seven straight weeks, 17 straight weeks. He's yep. been scoring touchdown after touchdown. He's earned the right to get that opportunity. But the coach has to look at the big picture and decide what's best for the player and best for the team. And in the case of Christian McCaffrey, the most important player on the 49ers, the guy that if he gets hurt, I feel like a lot of us would come on here the next day and say the season's over. Yes. You can't risk that guy. You can't do it. Not in a 31-point game. I, I thought it was crazy. Uh, and there's so much good about the 49ers in this game that I hated yeah. that like this was the way it ended because I didn't want this to like become the thing that people remembered when they remembered what I said about this game, but... I couldn't believe how people were defending it. You don't understand football and you never played team sports and all this other stupid stuff. Um, but thank God Christian McCaffrey didn't get hurt. Uh, Chris Waddell is back. He says, no way we pass Detroit for the two or one seed. Detroit's remaining schedule besides maybe Dallas should wreck the rest of their games. Absolutely. I was pulling so hard for the Chargers to pull that one out because Detroit's schedule is cake. And thank it's, God it's for Josh. Thank God for Josh Dobbs in Minnesota, because that's the only thing that even gives the 49ers a chance to pass the Lions. The Niners will smoke Detroit. Yes, they will. I agree. They, they, I just think that's a terrible matchup. Detroit plays so much zone coverage. They're incapable of playing man coverage. What are they really going to do against the Niners and Kyle Shanahan playing zone coverage? It's not like they have a great run defense either. Uh, 
I that that I, that'll be an electric game though because Detroit's offense will score on anybody. Yes, but the Niners' defense will get enough stops in that game, and they'll they'll spook off a little bit with some pressure. Hold on, I want to share the uh, Lions' schedule really quick. It is so freaking cake. It is pathetic. So they beat the Chargers. They have the Bears, the Packers, the well, Saints. Some of us thought Green Bay would be okay before the season. So there were some idiots like me who thought that. <laughs> Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears again, Denver. Then in Minnesota, Dallas, and Minnesota to finish. So the last three games will be a challenge for the Lions. But you're right. That offense will score. If Jared Goff has to go outside on the road against anybody in the playoffs, he ain't winning. He no. ain't. Wait, that dude is soft as Charmin, man. Oh, geez, geez. Come on. I, I've been as big a golf hater as anybody. He's been playing. He's been balling. He's been balling the last couple of years. He's been good at home. Hasn't been nearly as good on the road. True. And he's true. not good in the cold. He's not. That That's absolutely right. He's not good in the cold at all. Absolutely not. That, But that's been his story since, oh, there, there you go again. Look at you. Oh, the likes. Yes, thank you, everybody, for the likes. Like and subscribe to both YouTube channels, Gold Standard and the Vish Kumar on YouTube channel, where this is streaming. Yeah, I, I just think that I, they do have a good offense. I want to give them their props. They absolutely do. And I love the way Dan Campbell's aggressive on fourth down. That's, yes. Dude, that I was about to say, the two of them going after it, fourth down after fourth down, were you in heaven? Were you, oh. like, eating your, eating your popcorn, drinking your blue moon? Like, this is football for me. It's what you should do. Um, but but they're they're gonna be competing for the number one seed for sure because they ain't losing. They might lose one more game the rest of the year, assuming everybody stays healthy. I I think they're gonna they're gonna win a lot of games this year. I, I'd rather have them get it though. I don't I think the only place the 49ers would have trouble going into is Philly. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply they won't have an issue going into Detroit. They won't have an issue going into Dallas. Well, we know that. Yeah, I'm not yeah. worried about Dallas. I don't care how right. many yards. Well, Dallas, you can buy one of these for $12 in Dallas. You know who's owning Dallas. There you go. There we go. Dallas had 640 yards against the Giants, and that's not an exaggeration. That's the real number. Yeah, their ownership of the Giants is pretty cool because it's like no team should ever dominate a team the way they do, but it's like – they dominate these bad teams like this, and then they get put on against a team that doesn't make mistakes. Yep. And Dallas is just a team that lives on compounding the other team making mistakes. And Dallas has nothing to offer when the other team doesn't make mistakes. Yeah, not worried about the Cowboys. But uh, anyway, it was a great performance by the 49ers. Exactly what we wanted to see. 
I, I hope they don't exhale now and think like we have zero problems. We're, we're fine. Everything is fine. Like you still need to focus and, and, you know, be on top of it. You can't have miscommunications. You can't have receivers not knowing plays. You can't be not capitalizing on turnovers. I hope they don't get too relaxed, but it sure was nice to see, Vish. I think this was the cool game that I think Shanahan will be able to tell them, like, hey, when you go back and watch it, like, yeah, we kicked their butts, but this is like beginning of the year where we still did these things wrong and we still kicked their butts. And I, I, I think there's another level to the 49ers. That's all I'm saying. And if I, I thought this was a B game from the 49ers, how about that? This wow. was a B game. And if a B game can go into Jacksonville, a very tough place to play off of your bye and do that against a team that will be in the thick of things in the AFC playoffs, well, then imagine what this what the A team for this team, A game is for this team. I, I think the A game would be walking into Philly and beating Philly. And I think this team is capable of doing it. I think their roster is perfectly healthy right now. It's just about for them getting some consistency playing this way. I have said it all year long. If the 49ers play their absolute best game, there is nobody in the NFL that can beat them. Nobody. One team. One team. I don't think if there's anybody. I don't I, think- I'll, I'll still give Kansas City that one thing because the quarterback's nope. magic, but I maybe you're right this year too. I think that they don't have enough to help him on offense this year. It's not his fault. Um, but their defense is Their defense so is good. good. Yeah, their defense it's is so a lot good. better. But I have faith in Kyle that he'll be able to find the weakness in anybody's defense. I honestly think if they play their best, and you're right, like they don't always play their best. Their best to me this year was the Dallas game. They missed three tackles in the entire game. They forced four turnovers. Like that was their best. And to me, when they're at that level, like – I don't know who's beating them, but we got a long way to go before we have to worry about that. The Dallas game and the Jacksonville game are just a good example of their energy and their aggressiveness. When they come out and they're that aggressive, they just intimidate teams off the field. Like that's really what happened yesterday, right? They were so aggressive in those first two drives on offense and defense, and they were so physical. They were so deliberate. They were so urgent in taking the game to Jacksonville. The Jacksonville was like, oh, crap, dude. I, I'm just coming off of the bye. I was trying to ease into this game, and it's already 10-0. Like, what's going on? That's basically what it became. That's what they need to bring. I don't know who brings that for this football team. If it's Debo, I, I maybe it is only just Debo, but the, that's that was definitely missing in the last three weeks. And, yeah. So, Andre says Mahomes is Mahomes. He has no wide receivers, and it doesn't matter. The Chiefs are 13th in points per game this year. 13th that's basically average that's slightly above average i get that mahomes is what do you think they'll be by the end of the year though coming off their bye probably 13th like who are they getting okay 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 their defense is amazing i i've seen this story too many times before man rashi rice out of nowhere is gonna turn into the second coming of somebody pretty good dude they brought back Nicole hartman okay there's only one. Yeah, he stinks, and he's gonna do something for them. Watch in the playoffs. Oh, I've seen has. this. I've he seen has. this. I've seen this. I'm not saying they're gonna be a bad offensive team, but I'm saying they're not the big bad wolf like they were in years past. They're just not. The facts are we're halfway through the season I, now, I, dude. I I've seen. I saw this with New England for years. You know, Jamie Collins would get cut on Thursday after being terrible on a new contract for some team. He'd be back in New England by Friday, and then on Sunday he would have two picks, two forced fumbles, and they'd be putting him in the All Pro conversation 
how many teams was Pat Chung just bad on? But how good was he for so long as a strong safety for New England? Dude, with the Chiefs, it's just, it's that type of, it's that type of aura, that type of juju, that whatever needs to work out for them, it works out. Maybe that's why they had juju. They have all the good juju. I hate to quote Kurt Schilling, but I will. When he played the Yankees in 2001, and they said, were you worried about the aura and mystique of the Yankees? And he said, aura and mystique are dancers in a nightclub. And that was the perfect answer for for them not being intimidated by the big big, big bad Yankees. You yeah, should those dancers are distracting though. They're taking the eyes of the other team's players off the field. They're looking at Aura and Mystique and Mahomes is throwing for 350 and three touchdowns right when he needs to. Of course, Baltimore, you know, had this shocking loss. Everything will work out once again. The Chiefs will get the one seed somehow. It's I I've seen this five straight years. They lost in Mahomes' rookie years both games, or they lost at home against the Chargers. The Chargers were 12-4. and four. They were 12-4. and four. They got the one seed. The second year, they got a bye because New England blew it at the end of the season, and then they got a bye, and then, of course, that year, the one seed was Baltimore, and Tennessee walked into Baltimore and did what they did, and they got a home AFC championship game. In 2020, some more BS happened. If I wanted to go look at their schedule, I'd tell you how the BS happened. They always have this happen, Rob. I don't want to be that complaining fan, but you know them. Again, I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying at the 49ers best, I don't think that anybody beats at them. At the 49ers Mahomes. best, the the guy from Buffalo Wild Wings is going to make the call and the Chiefs will beat them. <laughs> well, that's what it might take. But you know what? Let's let's worry about that if it gets down to it in February, even if it's 49ers Chiefs. Uh, but okay. that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Longest show we've ever done. First show at night, under review after dark, baby. Get used to it. We'll try to do it around 5 p.m. Pacific time every Monday. Thank you for all your questions, your comments, all your likes. Please like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't. Both YouTube channels, The Gold Standard and Vishkumaran's YouTube channel. Rate, review, and follow The Gold Standard Podcast Network. Give Vish a follow on X, at Vishkumaran. Give me a follow, at Stats on Fire. Vish, I missed you, man. It was good to have you back. Yeah, dude, I miss doing this for sure. It's nicer to do it, I, I'll tell you, during work. You feel this thrill <laughs> that you're missing work, all of that. But it, I missed you. I missed doing this show. And here's to a great evening show between you and I. Hell yeah, baby. Go Niners. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>